This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The celebration is on. This is Rays Radio. Swing and a drive to right field. Back at a judge to the wall. Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. It's a tremendous catch for Kevin Kiermeyer. He took an extra base hit away from Rowdy Telez. A violent collision with the wall, and Kiermeyer fell backwards and held on. Coming up, we sit down with Rays players, coaches, and executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. Waits on the first pitch, a breaking ball lifted in the air to left field. Back at it, Bradley to the wall. Swing and a high drive, deep in the air, left center field. Broxton heading back to the wall. Happy homecoming. Mike Zanino with a three-run homer. Now here's your host, Neil Solons. And hi, everybody, and welcome to Charlotte Sports Park. Beautiful day in Port Charlotte. It is the first home game for the Rays of the spring. Glad you could be with us. It's Tampa Bay getting set to take on the Yankees, or at least a facsimile thereof. Usually this time of year when you make road trips, the Visiting team doesn't take all of its top players. Miguel Andujar and Luke Voigt are the top players making the trip for New York today as the Rays will start most of their regulars. In fact, a big part of the story today is the fact that Yoshi Tsutsugo will make his first appearance in a Tampa Bay uniform. Uh, and there are more than 20 media just from Japan alone that are here to cover it, including Aki Iwamura. Of course, he is the former Rays player from the 08 World Series team. He is working now for one of the big outlets in Japan, NHK, and doing a special interview with uh, Yoshi during the course of the last couple of days and doing a big feature on him. So he is here as well as, again, many other media. Yoshi will bat fifth. He'll play left field. And he'll probably get a couple of at-bats through the first handful of games that he plays in. In addition to Yoshi, most of the other key starters are in there for the Rays today. Austin Meadows, who, of course, had a 30-plus homer season a year ago, is in there in right field. Kevin Kiermeyer is playing left, and Willie Adamas is the shortstop today with Yandy Diaz at third. And Jimon Choi, who kind of became almost a, a folk hero here in Tampa Bay last year, will be at first base as we kind of look at who's going to be out there in the field for the Rays. Ryan Yarborough will start things on the mound. Anthony Bonda and Andrew Kittredge, along with Colin Pochet, among those also to pitch in today's ball game. On the injury front, a couple of notes. Brendan McKay threw a bullpen today. Assuming he comes out of that okay, he will throw a live batting practice, and then after that he'll be ready for game activity. Jose Alvarado threw a live batting practice today. His parents, of course, well-documented, came over from Venezuela to be with him this season, uh, and he says he's focused now on baseball, and he was very sharp, and he is ready now to go into game action from here on out. So generally speaking, the Rays are in good health. As far as the show today, we will focus on pitching because that surely is the greatest strength of the Rays. Led the American League in terms of fewest runs allowed last year. 
We'll hear from Kyle Snyder along with Charlie Morton. Charlie's coming up next. We want you to know that Spring for the Rays three- or six-game mini-packs and get great value for your spring training adventures like this one today. The flexible ticket plan allows you to choose your games from great matchup, including the Braves, Red Sox, Nationals, and more. For tickets, go to RaysBaseball.com slash spring. Coming up again, you'll hear from Charlie Morton about what he's anticipating after finishing third in the Cy Young Award voting last year. You're listening to Countdown to Opening Day. This is the Rays Baseball Network. You are listening to Countdown to Opening Day. Neil Solon's with you today from Charlotte Sports Park in Port Charlotte, Florida. The Rays taking on the Yankees. It is the home opener for Tampa Bay in exhibition play here in 2020. And Rays suites are new and improved for the 2020 season. Experience a Rays game in style from the comfort of a suite that now comes with all-inclusive catering. Go to RaysBaseball.com today to find out more. Charlie Morton, certainly a big part of 2019. He was third in the Cy Young Award voting. He also set a career high for innings pitch, and I sat down with Charlie this week and asked him if he could equal that mark this season. I made 29 starts in 2011. I threw 170-something innings in 2011. And in theory, that would carry over the following season. Well, the following season I had Tommy John. Well, after actually after the 2011 season, I had hip surgery. Then the Then 2012 in season I had Tommy John came back from that I I threw well in 13 and half of 14 and then I hurt my other hip and I had another surgery and coming back off of that that other hip surgery I was pretty much ineffective in 2015 I had a bad year in 2015 coming in 2016 feeling really good I you know started a new workout programs tried some things um, with my mechanics, diet, outlook on life, legging out a bunt on my four, fourth start into the season, Milwaukee, another hurt, another surgery in 2016, come back with the Astros, and I'm pitching okay. Like, I was pitching okay first month. Lat injury, I'm out for another month and a half. And coming back, I think I came back in July – I remember being on the road in July, and and um, I, I made a start. I think it was right before the All Star break in Toronto, and for the first time, I was like, "Man, like, I feel like I got a, I got like I got a good pitch mix. I think my stuff is working well. I'm kind of coming into my own in terms of understanding where I am with my body and what I'm actually trying to do with the baseball." And I, I don't. I think from mid July to the end of the year in 2017, I had finally put some things together, and I was given an opportunity to pitch in some big games in 2017, the playoffs in 2017, and I pitched, I pitched well in the postseason, and from there on, my my career trajectory from that postseason on, it changed tremendously. And I think that affect. I think that affected me even last year because I think I looked at myself differently. Like because I knew that I could pitch in the postseason. I knew I could pitch well enough to be an All Star. I knew I could pitch well enough to in in really big situations, and I could actually help a team, you know, in big moments. And I think that has changed my outlook on myself, how I perceive myself, you know, in terms of the confidence I have in myself or how I feel about myself in a clubhouse 
Like I'm not just a guy that's kind of just getting by. Like I can actually contribute. So all of those things matter. I mean, all those things that I touched on, the physical, the mental. But now knowing that I can throw, like in play what playoffs and regular season, I threw over 200 innings. I made 34, 35 starts last year, playoffs and regular season combined. And it's like I know I can do it now. It's really strange how that, how everything <clears throat> kind of unfolded in such a short span of time. Having played professionally for 18 years, now here in the past two and a half years, like I've been an all-star twice, I've gotten Cy Young votes. Now I, I pitched in big games in the postseason, and it's pretty, it's pretty nuts to think about that. That it all happened, you know, in my in my mid 30s. It is. It, you mentioned the, the the difference, you know, in the clubhouse. How different is it for you now this year, this second year, versus when you walked in last year? And and how different is are, are guys reacting to you because they know you now? Yeah, I mean, I I had uh, I had I had compiled uh, ten years of service when I walked through the door last year here. But at the same time, I really never looked at myself as a clubhouse leader. Like I never um, I never really felt that before. Um, maybe I felt like a veteran. You know, like because I, I think, I think I am. Like I think pr- probably seven, eight. You get seven, eight years in the big leagues. You're, you're a major league veteran. But in terms of having a significant voice in the clubhouse, I don't think just being quiet and just kind of somewhat stoic. I would say I probably didn't really feel that way about myself in the clubhouse last year as a as a leader. Maybe more so like lead by example. Just go out and try to play the game the right way. Try to work hard in between starts. Just be a pro, good teammate. But I do think there, uh, there's there's a moment in time where you have to accept the responsibility of being the veteran guy, like of being the older guy or the oldest guy on the team. Like that just comes, those responsibilities just kind of come with that, and that's it's a learned behavior to do that. I mean, especially for me, who's someone that has struggled to be vocal in a clubhouse or someone that's um, been hesitant to express opinions or you name it. So, But I do think when you have a young team like this that there is a certain responsibility for you to, to try to be that, uh, be that presence in the clubhouse. And you said pretty much on day one you believe this can be or will be, however you want to phrase it, the best staff one through whatever in the league. Why do you feel that way, and what what is the ceiling of this group for you? Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of success in, in pitching staffs. A lot of the success hinges on two or three starters, you know, and maybe an eighth and ninth inning guy. And that's typically how teams are built. You try to get two or three really good starters, and then your eighth and ninth inning guys you just kind of plug in. But here. Or, or you, f- you fill in the other roles. But here, you have to be able to come in as a bullpen guy and start the game off, throw one or two innings, give up no runs. And then you have to be able to come in third, fourth, fifth, sixth inning, maybe, and limit runs. And then starters typically, they're a little more flexible with the requirements like the innings requirements for starters here so if you go five or six innings but you only give up a run or two 
that's a really that's really productive, right? Because they'd rather have you go five or six innings, give up one or two runs, than go seven or eight and give up three or four. So I think it's not it's not only the the talent and the stuff that's in the room, but it's also the way they implement it, inning to inning. They're not afraid. They're not afraid to to, to run a guy out there in a weird situation and in a weird role and have him just go with it. And part of that too is is Kyle and the way he's worked with this whole group. What has he meant to you? I know how much you value. Uh, Brent Strom in, in Houston, but how is he different and how is he good at what he does? Yeah, I'm, they're, I'm not saying they're the same person, but they're similar in that they they care about you as a human being, and that's that's primary. That's the, the primary focus on a personal level. And then they're both old school and new school at the same time. It's a weird hybrid of, like, like Stromy, I mean, I don't know exactly how old Strami is today, but he's, you know, he's getting up there a little bit. And um, it's interesting because he's seen a lot. He's gone through a lot he, as a player and then as a coach. And uh, with the implementation of a lot of this technology, and he's embraced it all. And Kyle's the same way. I mean, he Kyle came up in an era of baseball probably where you could say, like, that was the maybe the last – the last generation of the old school I don't know there's just something about it like there's definitely been a, a change to the game that the attitude of the game and pitching in general just pitching philosophy but I would say Kyle is a is a perfect mix of that old school and new school open-mindedness caring about his guys really really good human being cares about his family um the kind of guy where you you walk into the clubhouse every day and you're glad that he's there and you're glad he's around and you can't you can't put a price tag on that and i don't think you can express it enough how much that means to have somebody like that on your side Always insightful, Charlie Morton. Charlie touching on uh, Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach there, but hit on a myriad of subjects and certainly is accurate when he talks about one Kyle Snyder. Hey, the MLB Ballpark app is your all-access pass to Tropicana Field, to mobile tickets. You can use Rays, pay for concessions and merchandise all on the app. The Ballpark app, the official app of Tropicana Field and available to download at the App Store or Google Play today. Coming up on Countdown to Opening Day, it is Kyle Snyder, the Rays pitching coach after this. We continue from Port Charlotte on this Sunday afternoon on the Rays Baseball Network. Hi, this is Kevin Cash, and you're listening to Rays Baseball on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. Welcome back to Countdown to Opening Day. Neil Solon's with you, getting you set for the first home game of the exhibition season for the Rays as they're going to meet the Yankees today here in Port Charlotte. And Kyle Snyder, a year ago, probably had some concerns about the Tampa Bay bullpen. Well, after a year where they led the American League in ERA, I asked him how much better he feels about this group. Oh, I would say uh, markedly better, just given, you know, last year uh, what they were able to accomplish individually as a team, uh, the growth that occurred the second half of the season, the opportunity to play uh, for the potential to play some meaningful games in October, and then obviously getting the chance to do that. I mean, you're talking about young players like Brendan McKay, um, you know, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow. Um, every one of our pitchers getting an opportunity to re- you know, really taste that for the first time. And, and I, I think that 
you know, given that and given those experiences, I, I feel really good about where we are going in um, and, and, and what it is that uh, they want, they know that they need to do to accomplish, to continue to get better, to continue to refine things, to get back to where they were. Speaking of experiences, what did Charlie mean, since he's featured on this show too, to the overall staff and the impact he had? Charlie had a tremendous impact on all of us, Stan and myself included, uh, just given... Um, you know, just the time that he's spent in this game and his growth and the things that he's overcome and all of the different things that he's experienced in this game, you know, um, injuries to uh, differences in philosophies over time, you know, how things have kind of evolved in that regard to uh, being on, you know, some of the best teams in baseball to being on some tough teams as well. You know, I think you, 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 you bottle all that up and, and, and just his presence, uh, He's obviously he's an extremely intelligent guy, and, and he's, he's just he's tremendous in the clubhouse. He's been a little bit more vocal, too, here these last uh, couple of days. Kind of, and I, I think he's gotten his, his feet underneath him a little bit and gotten to know players compared to coming in into a new place last year. And, uh, you know, I, I can't even articulate, you know, what he meant in that regard, just in terms of the influence that he had on some of these other players about how he went about his business, how he pitches, the art that he employs to his power approach. I mean, there's just so much to it. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a tremendous asset to this ball club. You obviously have quite an influence, too. What, what is your focus in these six weeks? How do you divide between the 12 or so or 13 or so pitchers who will break on opening day and getting to know all of these pitchers since you used 33 last year? You just got to get to each one of them each day, Neil. You know, I mean, that, that's really what it is and what it boils down to. We're going to be over on Field 5 starting tomorrow, which will be nice because everybody will be together. And then going, it's important that I build relationships with all these guys, continue to fortify the ones that I have in place, right, and then going forward and then beyond that. Some of the new guys, it's just a matter of get to know them, um, understand their own self-assessments about who they are as pitchers, and Stan and I come together and try to, to, to bring some of the things that we believe that could help them as well. And those timelines vary with different guys, you know. I, and, and, and the relationship aspect of this is something that I really probably relish as much as anything. You know, it's just it's, it's great getting to know these guys and doing whatever we can, um, you know, to, to help them realize their potential in their careers as well as being, you know, helping them, you know, not just uh, beyond their baseball career, even at home, understanding that they're – you know, a lot of them are husbands, um, a lot of them are fathers, uh, you know, they're all sons. And I see you enjoying that with the smile on your face in terms of how you relish the experience. You still go out in the off season to visit these guys. How many visits did you pay this year and how important are those? I made fewer visits this year. Uh, they're, they're important. Um, it was important for me the first year that I took the, uh, this particular position to do that. And, and again, that goes back and speaks to what I was talking about in terms of just building the relationship. And um, I, I went and saw Anthony Bonda this year. I went and saw Jalen Beeks this year. Um, and a lot of other guys came early this year. Uh, you know, Tyler came in on the 6th of January. Uh, you know, Blake was in right around then as well. You know, Charlie's right up the road. Yarbrough is over. And, you know, and it's not to say that um, – there weren't other guys that I, I considered going to see, but, you know, just through some of the dialogue that I was having with them and in the time that I spent with them last year, there were no new acquisitions, you know. Like I went and saw Emilio last year after we acquired him because I didn't want to meet him for the first time in, in, in spring training. Um, so there's just – a lot of the visits and the purpose for the visits vary. All of them are rooted in relationship building. 
No question. And speaking of relationship building, with Emilio traded, Jose Alvarado becomes that much more important. How much of a role did you play in helping or the thought process of getting his mom and dad here? And how much do you think it means for him to succeed this year to have that mental uh, stability knowing they're good? I'm going to start with the second question. Uh, this, uh, he's in a tremendous place. I, yeah, and, and I think just having his mom here um, out of Venezuela um, and, and, and a lot closer you know, in touch with him, able to go home to her. Um, you know, she's had some health complications in the past that I know that have rattled, you know, Hosey quite a bit. And, you know, I think that's fairly well documented. And, you know, I think at this point just having her here, it's just put him at um, a, a very calm, very peaceful place. And now his focus is just, you know, it's baseball related. And, you know, and then going back to, you know, just the initial question, I didn't play a, a, a big role in, in that. Now, this is something we've talked about trying to assist with over the years. George Pappas, tremendous role over the years, just trying to help his family come to the States. Uh, uh, and, and Gene Ramirez, actually, just in, t- in touch of base with him a little bit, one of our bullpen catchers, you know, early in January, just in terms of getting a gauge as to where he was as he went through the process of coming over here. The travel's difficult getting out. We no longer can fly in and out from straight from the United States. He and his mom and dad were in Columbia for five days. So there's always different things to navigate with regards to that. But, you know, um, as far as my, my direct role, just my relationship with Jose, staying in touch with him and being very happy once he got to the States with his folks. You may go to a five-man rotation this year at times. How you're new school and old school, so what's kind of your take on that? Because we've asked Kevin about this, and he said everything's on the table going yeah. into this year. Yeah, you know, it, that's a good question. You know, I think what I side with, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit more of a new school mindset in terms of doing what we can and remaining as flexible as possible to give us the best chance, despite new rule changes, to put guys in positions to be successful. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean matchups? Does that mean, you know, an opener at times? You know, I, I, you know Kevin is a tremendous manager. One of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. I'm a little biased, and, and, and I, I, I side with him in that. You know, um, Yanni and, and, and in Yarborough with what they've accomplished, um, even in traditional starting roles over the last couple of years uh, for periods of time, if not for long stretches. I mean, Yarborough had a lot to do with us getting to the postseason with how well he pitched in August as a traditional guy. So it'll be interesting. Those guys certainly deserve it. It's, you know, it, it, it's time, in my opinion, okay, going back to old school. Really just, again, I don't have a traditional mindset in terms of five traditional starters necessarily, but – I do feel like it's, you know, if that's something that they've they've really tried to position themselves to be able to get the opportunity to do, they've certainly proven that. Um, but as Kevin said, and, and, and I'm in agreement with, you know, I mean, we're going to be pretty fluid still um, and, and give ourselves the best chance to win every night. And, and um, I have no doubt that will be supported amongst the team. Really good stuff from Kyle Snyder, the Rays pitching coach, certainly thoughtful. It'll be interesting to see how things go as the Rays – whether they go to a traditional five-man staff or not. Ryan Yarbrough, one of those guys who would be considered if the Rays go traditional, is the guy who will be starting the game today. Speaking of, we hope you're going to enjoy the broadcast with Dave and Andy. We thank our guests from the program today, that being Charlie Morton and also Kyle Snyder. On the show next week, Willie Adamas will be with us. Same goes for Rodney Linares, the Rays infield instructor and third base coach. 
Thanks today. Go to Derek DuBose back at our network studios and also to Mark Hayes on site along with Jeremy Sneed, one of our broadcast assistants. Andy and Dave have the play-by-play next. It is the debut of Yoshi Tsutsugo in a Rays uniform and also the 2020 debuts of Kevin Kiermaier, Willie Adamas, and a whole lot more. Neil Salon saying thanks for being with us on Countdown to Opening Day on the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.